What's up? You're listening to the Electric Runway Podcast, where fashion meets technology. I'm your host, Amanda Costco. Thank you so much for tuning in. What's to come? We've heard so much about blockchain recently, about the rise and fall of cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, and how this technology is poised to radically change how we transact in a global marketplace. But little has been written on how blockchain will impact the fashion industry. On today's episode, we're speaking with Ina Samovich, the CEO of CopPay, to learn all about how fashion and blockchain will intersect. CopPay is a blockchain solution for business. In short, it allows merchants and retailers, large and small, to accept cryptocurrencies as a form of payment. In this episode, Ina will break down some of the language surrounding blockchain to make it relevant and accessible to our audience, and will share how Kotpe collaborated with United Colors of Benetton in Lithuania to enable the brand to accept Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies as a form of payment. Just a note, as this episode was recorded remotely, please excuse any audio issues that we may have experienced. It's a fascinating episode on the future of commerce, and it starts right now. So, Ina, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Amanda. So, for those who don't know, who are you and what is CopPay? Okay. My name is Ina and I'm CEO of CopPay Project. I graduated from Florida International University in finance. And after that, I was managing a company from car service industry for seven years. But a couple of years ago, I got interested in blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies, and I met other people who actually had already significant knowledge about it. So the crypto industry was evolving so rapidly that we came up with an idea to use blockchain technology and cryptocurrency in traditional business. And our first project was to develop a software for regular stores that will allow merchants to accept cryptocurrency as a payment. And that first project was actually Copay. This is what Copay about. We've created a tool which is payment gateway for merchants to easily accept cryptocurrency for goods and services without any volatility risks. That's so exciting. So we've heard so much about cryptocurrencies and blockchain recently. So maybe it's time to just define our terms. What are we talking about when we talk about cryptocurrencies? And what about blockchain in your own words? Okay. Well, I will start with definition of blockchain because uh, cryptocurrencies are based on this technology. If we give definition, then blockchain is a fully distributed peer-to-peer software network which makes use of cryptography to securely host applications, store data, and easily transfer digital instruments of value. But more likely, this definition is not clear to many of our listeners, so let me try to explain it with simple words. Think about simple version of Instagram. We download our picture through phone application that called Instagram to one big server that stores all our pictures. It is done with help of internet cables that eventually connected to that one server. And when your friend wants to see your picture, he or she gets access of that server space 
where your picture is stored. And again, with help of phone application in, and internet, he can see it. This is an example of traditional centralized network when there is one big server and many users that are connected to it. When we talk about blockchain, we say that it's decentralized. It means that there is not one server, but many servers that decided to participate in this network. And each of them will store all the information. So, in addition to that, all servers are connected to each other, and this means peer-to-peer. -peer. And if one server breaks for any reason or doesn't have internet connection, everybody can still have access to all information from other servers. And that is what distributed and decentralized means. So we don't have any central server and it's distributed all across the globe. It doesn't matter where servers are located. And each of them connected to each other, which means peer-to-peer -peer network. Next part of this technology are blocks. So everybody is wondering why blockchain, blocks, chains, so the information that actually we get uh, to store, it's stored in sort of blocks. Let's come back to our example with pictures. Let's say today at 1 p.m. you decide to upload your picture in one imaginary picture blockchain network. You submit your image through the application via internet to the blockchain. And here, where the system uh, works a little bit different from Instagram. Now, your picture will be stored not in one server, but it will be stored in all those servers. But besides that, it will be placed in a block with limited space. So, this, the block has limited space. Your picture is stored there, and when there is no more space, everybody decides to close the block. So that way, nobody can change information in that block. And that block will have two attributes besides just space in the server. It will have time when it was created and number of the block. And once it is closed, nobody can change information over there. So, but now to the network, somebody else would some, wants to submit more pictures. So next block will be created. But it doesn't only have new information, new pictures, but with help of cryptography, it will have all the information from previous block as well. So that way, first block is connected to second block and information in the closed blocks cannot be changed. Blocks are created in time and have numbers and we can track all the information from one block to another. And everything is done with help of cryptography that cannot be hacked. Basically, connection between two blocks as well as the data that is stored within the block um, 
are not hacked and nobody can change it anymore. Another part to the blockchain is consensus. Everybody is talking that there is some sort of consensus. So when block can be closed and not next block uh, can be created, all the servers that has information of blockchain must reach consensus. They must reach an agreement that the information that is stored in that particular block is correct. And only after they reach that agreement, block is closed. So basically, it's very difficult uh, kind of system that makes sure that the information that is provided to blockchain cannot be changed anymore. And that this information, you like all the users of that information can always have access to it. Because when we talk about centralized form of servers, you know, then we, let's say about Instagram, if Instagram decides to not to provide this information anymore, we will not have access to it. But in case of blockchain, if it's distributed to already like to many, many computers in order to eliminate it or delete it in any way, we will have to turn off electricity and turn off Internet all over the globe. And we all understand that it's, you know, it's impossible anymore unless we, we get like global catastrophe or something like that. So then this is the technology of blockchain. The next step, what kind of information is stored in each block? And here people can decide for themselves when they create new blockchain. But the very first blockchain was used in order to create, in, uh, in order to store information about cryptocurrency that is called Bitcoin. Basically, Bitcoin is the first cryptocurrency. And this is the information about token, let's say about uh, cryptocurrency, it's like digital asset. And the information that is put in the blog is how many Bitcoins there is, you know, and who is the owner of these Bitcoins and what type of transaction were done? Let me try to say a little bit different. Not only what type of transaction, uh, but how was change of the ownership of this particular token done and when? And the owners of tokens in this blockchain is simply cryptocurrency addresses. It's crypto addresses. It's just letters and numbers that are owners of bitcoins, of some token. And how to say, in simple words, the Bitcoin blockchain stores information about Bitcoin cryptocurrency. Ethereum blockchain stores information about Ethereum tokens and other tokens, ERC20 tokens, and new blockchains that are created, they can store information either about cryptocurrencies 
or about any other value that is interesting for people who wants to use this blockchain. So if we come back to definition of cryptocurrencies, I would say that cryptocurrency is electronic cash. Why it is cash? Because it belongs to only to the person who has crypto address and uh, private key from this address. Basically, it's like having a cash in your pocket. But and you can pay at any time. You can have as much as you want to. And you can even, you know, travel with it anywhere because it's not stored in your bank account. It doesn't belong to anybody. Uh, because when we store our money to in the bank account, it means that bank owns our money. Or if we give it to our friend, then our friend has this money. In case with uh, cryptocurrencies, if you have private key of your crypto address, then you have this cash. Why it's electronic? Because obviously it's all in our computers. It all the information about it stored in servers and it can be easily moved or uh, all over the globe within minutes. Because basically you just need to submit within blockchain the request to transfer ownership of that Bitcoin from one crypto wallet to another crypto wallet or any other cryptocurrency. It works the same way. So it's electronic cash because it belongs only to you and it has electronic uh, attribute, let's say like that. really think that the analogy of the Instagram as a centralized server and how, like, I think that's a great analogy. A couple questions for you. So I think that the analogy most people would have a relationship to right now is kind of like the cloud. So would you say that cryptocurrency is kind of like the cloud with the exception of, you know, the cloud is obviously hackable, but the way that blockchain stores the currency right now is it's uh, not hackable, but it's kind of like the way we store you know, a document on the cloud? Well, when we talk about the cloud, we also talk about regular servers. It's just this server is not uh, placed in your home, you know, in your room. It is also somewhere. For example, the biggest uh, cloud space providers are Amazon, right, or Google, or any other provider. They also have hardware. They have servers. It's just we rent from them these server spaces. And it's actually not the cloud. It's also hardware. And right. Here with cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, you know, we also all have hardware somewhere because it cannot be just in the air. This information cannot be stored just in the air. But when we talk, as you said, when we talk about Instagram, it's just one big server and everybody, maybe people don't know where it is located, but 
only Instagram and Instagram belong to Facebook. So basically Facebook has access to it and they can come at any time to that server and just plug it out from electricity and from comp uh, from internet. So it will not have internet or electricity and then we don't have access to that information. When we talk about blockchain, there are also many, many servers which are also hardwares, but because there are so many people that are taking part in this network already, you know, so we have many, many servers around the globe and all the servers have all this information. And if, for example, China bans blockchain technology itself and say, okay, we, do, you don't, we don't have access to internet anymore, but in other countries, and eventually will be at least one country that always will have internet connection and electricity, then all the information in the blockchain restored. So, yes, it is kind of in the cloud, but we all have to understand that it is stored in hardware somewhere. It just because so many computers and so many servers that are used within this network and the biggest uh, the network of uh, servers, the better are the chances that this information will be stored. That's why people trust Bitcoin more because we know that there are many people that are participating in this blockchain network, right? Ethereum network uh, the same way because the way the, each transaction is created, the, there is some economic benefits. When there is no economic benefits to participate in blockchain network, people will not participate in it. So, and I assume that we will see many blockchains dying if there will be no economic benefit for the participants, for the users of this blockchain. So, yes, cryptocurrencies are kind of in the cloud in terms of that there is no particular place that we exactly know where it is. Right. So it's like the cloud in the sense that it's accessible from multiple places and multiple touch points, but it's not like the cloud because the cloud is actually centralized in the sense that yeah. there is hardware that stores that information. I think yeah. I understand now. So yeah. that actually leads me into my next question then. So for cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, where does it actually get its value from? That's the more difficult question than, uh, question than just simply explain the technology itself. But the value of any currency actually depends on people's predictions and people's assumption of that value. Let's compare it to regular fiat money that we know. For example, in the United States, we have United States dollars, right? But in case of United States, who says how much milk or what can you buy with $1? Basically, it's just people's expectation that when they go to store, they can pay $1 and they will receive, let's say, one gallon of milk, right? Yes, there is a national bank that always tries to have this value kind of protected. But if we look at the history of money, right, we know that in the beginning, people could use as a money just simple stones. Then it was gold. And the more, how to say? Consensus, I would say, like a consensus. 
Uh, yes, yes. And if, for example, we, uh, we know that why we cannot use sand, for example, for money, because there is a lot of sand. So for us, it doesn't have any value. When we see that, you know, that this particular thing has limited uh, uh, volume, then it, it kind of makes, uh, you know, more valuable for us. Why diamonds are so valuable? Because they're scarce, you know, they're not in direct access. We don't have direct access to it. So the same with money. Money can be valuable if we know that the value, uh, the volume of uh, money is uh, restricted. And basically, the more restrictions we get, we think that, oh, okay, it can be more valuable. So with Bitcoin, when it just started to, when the network was created, it was used by people who was into IT, some cryptocurrency enthusiast who said, oh, okay, I will accept it just for fun. You know, it didn't have any value actually. But uh, when more and more people got into the network and they start spending more electricity and they start receiving more Bitcoins, you know, as I said before, it has to be economic sense for people to participate in any blockchain for it to be valuable and for it to be interesting for other people to use. So when more people got their efforts, their energy, spend more money on it, it started becoming more valuable. And recently, what we see recently, you know, it just people expectations that one Bitcoin should cost $8,000, then $9,000, then $19,000. And then oh, we got to the point where it was just, uh, you know, there are so many exchanges right now that you have bid and ask. You know, people, some people want to buy, some people want to sell. And when demand and supply reaches, it's just economy, you know. Okay, it was so much supply for that much demand. If demand is bigger than supply, then price goes up. If demand is less than supply and people want to sell it, the price goes down. And there are many theories why Bitcoin, why the price of Bitcoin went to so high at the end of the last year. And there are many theories why it went down so much right now. And one of them is that there was um, in April, many companies needed to pay their taxes. And actually crypto exchanges last year made so much money. And most of their profits were held actually in Bitcoins and cryptocurrencies. And in order to pay their taxes, they needed to sell lots of cryptocurrencies. So here we had the situation when they were selling their cryptocurrencies at the exchanges and the supply was bigger than demand. So price were going down a lot. And now after this tax period has passed, we see like the price of Bitcoin is going up and other cryptocurrencies as well. And it just people's, again, it just people's expectation that, uh, you know, Bitcoin should uh, cost more. Now, Bitcoin was the first cryptocurrency 
and some other tokens they have they have different values if it's just cryptocurrency which means that you can simply send bitcoin to another wallet you know this is value of cryptocurrency this called cryptocurrencies now if this token uh, has some other value for example in ethereum it's not just cryptocurrency ethereum is platform where you can create smart contracts and you can create erc20 tokens but in order to create smart contracts and erc20 tokens you have to pay with ethereum now ethereum becomes a token of other asset it actually utility token because with it you can have some other services so now we have utility tokens we have cryptocurrencies and uh, there are also security tokens security tokens and where it's uh, when company says oh i want to you know uh, i think that i want to sell my company to many other people and i think that my company worth let's say $1000 right and i want to sell it to you know 1000 people and then it says that people if you want to buy my company you can buy each token for $1 and but usually they sell it with cryptocurrency with, with other cryptocurrency and here we have security token already because this token provides value of particular company which is security instrument in in economy so basically when we talk about utility tokens and security tokens then people can decide okay value of this particular service for me let's say for two dollars you know or value of share of the company for me is one dollar or less than one dollar or more than one dollar then the price of uh, security and utility tokens will change as the value of the services they provide with cryptocurrencies it's simple people's expectation what it can cost because they don't give any other value than easily transferable they are easily transferable as i said they're electronic cash you can hold it as long as you want to uh, as you as you want and only you have access to it and that is great and bitcoin was the first cryptocurrency and that's why people still use mostly bitcoins to transfer when we talk about money transfers you know but there are some other cryptocurrencies like Dash or Litecoin, and uh, they all are trying to add some features in comparison to Bitcoin, for example. Before, we know that Bitcoin was taking about, let's say, 30 minutes to make transaction. But Dash, when Dash just came out as a cryptocurrency, they say, okay, our transaction takes, you know, two seconds, three seconds. And that was more valuable for users if they want to transfer it. But, you know, it's all, it's all different for each token. It's all different for, for each cryptocurrency. It depends on the community that they have. 
And again, I will repeat maybe it's again that uh, the value of Bitcoin, for example, depends exclusively on people's expectation of its value. That's all it is. It doesn't have any other value. So it's really just like current currency, like fiat currency, as you were mentioning. It just, we all have to agree that this gold or this stone or this paper means this much money. It's the same thing. Yes. Very. And you see, when people go to the crypto exchange, they basically are, you know, getting into consensus that, oh, yeah, today it costs 8900 or tomorrow it costs $10,000. It's just demand and supply. The difference between cryptocurrency and fiat money in terms of price is that with cryptocurrencies, Nobody besides people decides how much it costs. It's simply demand and supply situation. With fiat money, we have government that don't want the economy just, you know, be ruined by somebody who decides to sell too much money or to buy too much money and that uh, way to influence price of fiat currency. So we have national banks who, uh, that controls actually the value of our money. But National Bank, they don't store gold, they don't store anything else, they just try to control the price of our fiat money. National Bank of Canada will control how much uh, Canadian dollars cost, United States, they have they have other institutions, I forgot the name. Well, it's not national, it's a reserve system. So the reserve system controls the price of uh, United States dollars and so on. So it's, so yeah, so it's decentralized also in the sense yeah. that there's not one person pulling the strings and controlling the value. That's really interesting. Thank you very much for that explanation. So now to make this really hit home for our audience, what do you think the possibilities are when it comes to cryptocurrency and the fashion industry? Well, there are one major future in common in fashion industry and cryptocurrencies. They are both global. <laughs> so I think when we talk about fashion, you know, we cannot simply say, oh, it's fashionable here and not fashionable there. And very often people want to get access to things in fashion really quickly. And I think that when we talk about cryptocurrency, it's the same. And when people start communicating, especially about things that they want to get really quickly, they want to make sure that they will receive money quickly for the things as well. So I think in regards to cryptocurrencies, we will see lots of payments and we already see lots of payments with Bitcoins for luxury stuff and for for things that has to do with fashion. And so recently, I guess the challenge is, is how to convert this cryptocurrency into being able to pay for everyday goods. And that's where cop pay comes in. So yes. maybe to illustrate a concrete example for listeners, recently cop pay worked with United Colors of Benetton in Lithuania to enable this fashion brand to be able to accept cryptocurrency. Yeah. So if you could talk a little bit about that and share like what is the benefit for a retailer to accept something like Bitcoin? Well, that was a really a great story because we started with Coppay project in Lithuania and Vilnius 
And we decided to do a proof of concept in one small region in order to see how merchants react on such offer to start accepting cryptocurrencies and whether it will be, you know, useful for regular people, for regular buyers. And we decided to start with Vilnius. And we start offering to different stores and we see lots of uh, interest from regular merchants, bars, restaurants. And then when we came to United Colors of Benetton, they said, yes, yes, we want to do that because we already had lots of requests from people who were, you know, traveling to the country and they were so eager to connect with Copay and start accepting cryptocurrencies. And for United Colors of Benetton, it was great uh, marketing story because obviously they got attention from different sorts of media around the world and they also got attention from young outgoing people because United Colors of Benetton is a brand for young people and we see that cryptocurrencies are used mainly by young people as well you know they are like oh okay it's something new let's try it so uh, now when we go to Vilnius or any other city, I personally always want to find out first who is accepting crypto. And if one store accepts and another doesn't, I will choose the one that accepts crypto because for me it's um, kind of fun to pay with crypto, you know. It's kind of fashionable right now <laughs> to pay with crypto. So basically... They got this attention. Uh, United Colors of Benetton itself is really young and viable brand, you know. And they got attention of uh, basically their clientele, you know, people who are in the same pace with them, let's say like that. So it was great for them in terms of marketing and in terms of uh, getting attention from different type of clients. Right. And then can you walk us through how CopPay actually sets up the infrastructure to allow a retailer who perhaps doesn't know anything about blockchain, doesn't know anything about cryptocurrency, how do you actually enable them to be able to accept it? Yes, let me start, uh, come back a little bit. When I said that I used uh, to work in traditional industry, you know, that was very important for us because as a traditional merchant, you know, more likely I don't know anything about cryptocurrency, but I hear a lot about it right now, you know, and regular merchants, they have two fears. They have a fear to lose their money either, you know, because the price volatility or because they don't know how to use this uh, crypto wallets, what crypto exchange is, how everything works. Sometimes it will be more difficult for traditional merchants to understand it because regular merchants have regular problems. Their, their main problem is to attract clients, to attract customers. This is what merchants worry about. That's why we wanted to create a tool, an instrument that actually will help merchants not to worry about losing their money and at the same time attract new clients to their business. So Copay is payment gateway. It's a software that can easily be downloaded in any phone or tablet 
or computer and uh, we actually with bigger retailers we can be incorporated into existing point of sale terminal because obviously most of the retailers already have some cashier registry you know in place so basically it's software and when client comes to pay with cryptocurrencies they don't need to know anything they just need to set up a check let's say check is $100 right and our system will exchange it and give price in that cryptocurrency that client want to pay with client will pay we will exchange it at the exchange at the crypto exchange this let's say bitcoin for dollars and we will send dollars to the merchant basically merchant has price in dollars and he will receive dollars to his bank account and uh, our system gives opportunity to receive 100% of the check to the bank account so merchant doesn't need to worry about additional cost he doesn't need to worry about fee he doesn't need to worry about volatility of cryptocurrency prices and he gets new clients <laughs> Right. So the merchant isn't actually receiving bitcoins. Coppay is actually enabling the transaction and doing the conversion yes. for them. Yes. Yeah. Merchant just needs to register with us and start using our software. Very interesting. So to give an example that shoppers who uh, shop online might be used to right now when I'm shopping online, when I check out, I can choose to put my credit card or I can choose to pay with PayPal. And of course, when you pay with PayPal, it's accessing a different pool of funds. So in the future, will I maybe have an option to pay with CopPay and that'll be the cryptocurrency? Yes. Correct, correct. Basically, what we do right now, we're also already on the stage when we talk to e-commerce stores, right? So basically, when you will see payment methods, it will be credit cards, it will be PayPal, and it will be cryptocurrencies. So, and this service can be provided by Coppay. Very interesting. Okay. So I want to talk about Lithuania for a second. As we understand it, Lithuanians are actively contributing to the to the development of the crypto infrastructure. And as I understand it, you can currently pay with cryptocurrency in many restaurants, shops, boutiques, barbershops. So why are they so ahead of the curve? Because that's not something we're seeing here in Toronto, for example. <laughs> well, I would say not Lithuanian, but Lithuanians, but Copay are is really active in Lithuania. <laughs> this is what it is. Because in order for people to pay with cryptocurrencies, we've done uh, and we continue doing lots of work by talking to merchants, by educating them, by providing them with tools to accept cryptocurrencies. So it uh, really depends on the company like Copay to bring their services to the market in order for people to be able to pay with cryptocurrencies. So it's pity that in Toronto you don't have such company as ours. 
<laughs> we will definitely, we would like to come to your market as well. It just our operational cycle works in the European Union countries at the moment, and we decided to concentrate on the European Union countries. But if we find, for example, some sort of partnership in Canada, we will be glad to bring our services over there as well. Well, it's only a matter of time, right? Before everybody wants to pay like this. And, you know, you're talking about cryptocurrency as kind of rewriting the rules of how we exchange value. So there's going to have to be some infrastructure. It might as well be cop pay. Yes, yes, I hope so. (laughs) So what other possibilities do you see for retailers and fashion brands when it comes to cryptocurrency? As you mentioned, accepting cryptocurrency is good because it attracts the right consumers. But do you see any other potentials? I see uh, that the biggest potential right now, yes, it's uh, new clients. It's also marketing to be ahead of other competitors, you know, and it's uh, being an outgoing company that is ready to use new technologies because cryptocurrency is uh, the only tool, is the only currency that, for example, can be used in Internet of Things. Let's say that uh, in a couple of years we decide to not to go to the stores, by, but send robots or drones to buy something, you know. And then we understand that those type of things, they cannot work with fiat currencies. It has to be cryptocurrencies in order to provide such um, transfers, you know, value transfers. So we hope that more and more merchants and big companies, big corporations will actually think about it and start using cryptocurrencies as a payment method. And then what about the potentials of blockchain for the fashion industry? Yes, with blockchain, there is lots of potential because the technology that I described before, it actually provides transparency to everybody and it provides security of the information that and data that is stored in it. Right. So as I see the situation with fashion industry, like out of my head at the moment, I can tell you the following. For example, some fashion brands are really worried about the materials, raw materials that are used when things are produced, right? We also hear about fashion brands that they don't want to use child labor when things are produced. So and blockchain is needed in the situations when we have several uh, users that, that don't trust each other. And we understand that, for example, let's say company Chanel, right? I'm not sure about it, but, but let's not say Chanel, let's say about any big fashion brand. Obviously, they need to gather materials in order to produce uh, something all around the world. And uh, they not always can know where exactly it came from. So when we talk about blockchain, if, for example, all the suppliers of uh, that particular brand decide to use one blockchain in order to put information, then it can be transferred from the beginning where the uh, material came from, you know, who were actually 
employed in order to produce this thing, where, what country it came from, how they, how it moved, you know, what was the supply chain, in which store it came eventually, and where it was bought by, by the buyer. So in blockchain, the whole supply chain yeah the whole supply chain and actually also when people uh, will buy eventually the thing will be visible and that way we will eliminate uh, situations when for example uh, expensive brands are trying to do limited edition of something right then and they want to be unique and people are willing to pay big money only for something unique as we as we said before, as we mentioned diamonds, for example, before, you know, why people are paying a lot? Because they are scarce, they are unique, they have limited uh, access to it. So the same with some, you know, dresses or some garments. And when Hermes say, okay, each of my bag has a number, we want to make sure that nobody else has the same number in its back, right? So only with uh, with use of blockchain technology, we can always track where this number, when this bag was produced, when it was sold, who bought it, and that way we we can make sure that this particular bag is unique. Only I have it, and the money I paid for it, you know, I didn't spend worthless, you know, it really gave me some value. Of course, you know, with fashion industry, sometimes we see the amounts are too huge and sometimes we don't even understand why people spend so much money for little things. But it's just the emotions that people get when they buy something expensive and when they can afford it. So those are the issues. <laughs> Well, those, that, that's really interesting. Those are two different ideas there. So you're saying that on the one hand, blockchain can be used to verify unique limited edition goods like diamonds or like handbags to make sure that this is in fact a real Hermes bag rather than a knockoff. And then on the other hand, you're saying it could actually provide transparency in the supply chain to help consumers understand where the materials and the whole supply chain behind a t-shirt that they're purchasing perhaps. And these are both huge challenges for the fashion industry right now. Number one, we have counterfeiting. And number two, we have the challenge of the supply chain, which, you know, uh, everybody's more curious right now about where yes. their clothes come from. And so blockchain could, could cool. solve this. Yes, absolutely right. Yes. That's very interesting. And so what's next for Cotpay when it comes to fashion? Do you have more ambitions to help connect retailers to cryptocurrency? Yes, of course, we have plans, we have big plans. As I said, right now we are more concentrated on the European Union countries and uh, we really are talking right now to French brands uh, and to boutiques that sell, you know, stuff in uh, Meats and Cannes, in all Mediterranean, in Monaco as well. So we hope that those boutiques will use copay in order to, in order to accept uh, cryptocurrencies for the buyers who will come this season, uh, this season to the Mediterranean and Monaco. <laughs> 
Very interesting. I'm I'm really excited for this. It really sounds like it's going to change the way that we approach not only money, but trade as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. I also wanted to add like a really big um, issue. One of your questions was what are the benefits for shoppers, you know, as well. So there is this issue that called charity and donations, like many companies in order to like, I, I would say during the last 10, 15 years, if you remember, many companies, uh, shoe producers, shoe retailers and uh, clothing retailers, they were saying, oh, if you buy one thing, then the money goes as a charity or as a donation to particular organization, right? And we as a consumer, as consumers, we never know whether company really spent this money. You know, and where the money went to and to which organizations and how much, because the big question was raised a couple of years ago that, you know, we donate, for example, $10, but basically to the eventually to people in need out of $10 will arrive only one or 50 cents because there is this huge, huge, uh, you know, bureaucracy and big uh, organization, even if it's a non-profit organization, but they also have lots of employees, you know, <laughs> and usually it's, uh, you know, this donation that we made actually didn't, uh, you know, our expectations, I'm sure, were more than people received actually help for it. So uh, blockchain can, because of the transparency in blockchain and with cryptocurrencies, we can see each token, each transaction, and we can trace it uh, back to the beginning of blockchain. So, and if uh, companies, fashion companies that are trying to do this type of promotions, you know, will put all the information into blockchain and will provide this information to blockchain, we will see exactly how much and uh, where it went. And uh, I think that is also a very important issue that uh, should be uh, solved by blockchain and fashion. Right. So some of the kind of one-for-one programs that we saw by like Tom's Shoes, for example, you're saying they could actually, consumers could actually track the the fulfillment of that promise that it's not just a marketing ploy. Mm -hmm. Correct. Correct. And also with blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies, as I said, different tokens can be created. Like each of the fashion brands can create, for example, Chanel token or, I don't know, Hermes token or Louis Vuitton token, you know. And we know many celebrities that are trying to help, like really trying to help people around the globe. And uh, if they actually create this type of tokens, it will be easier for them to and for everybody to participate in these charity programs simply by buying this token and then tracking where this particular token went to. So uh, those are the blockchain give uh, this great opportunity as well. To a blockchain gives the opportunity, you know, to transfer properties and values really easily around the globe. Like we see that most of the money right now concentrated in the United States, Asia, actually in China and Japan, 
and then a little bit uh, less in Europe, right? And then we have also some uh, Eastern countries. Now, with blockchain and cryptocurrencies, if someone is in need, really, you know, then people can easily transfer money. They they don't need, uh, like, to get somebody's permission to that, you know. And uh, we will see that really capital will go around the globe easily and more evenly. Do you think that blockchain and cryptocurrencies are going to replace money as we know it? No, I think it will be two parallel systems that will exist. No government will decide to eliminate its own fiat currency because fiat currency is something that is used in order to collect taxes, in order to give certainty to people, to people who is using it that, okay, let's say with dollars or even with Belarusian rubles, you know, we want to make, uh, like, uh, we really believe in our government, <laughs> even though it's just our subjective, you know, subjective belief that, okay, this worth that much, but no government in the nearest future will decide to eliminate this opportunity to collect taxes and to then to spend money within the economy inside the country. But at the same time, people want to be more free, you know, they want to move anywhere they want without any borders as well as they want to transfer their, uh, their, um, let's say, active, you know, they want to track, uh, to transfer their money anywhere they want to. So that's why this freedom on one side and government on the other side, I would, I would say that those two currencies, type of currencies will exist just in parallel world. Because even in, uh, everyday, uh, purchases, Sometimes it's easier to pay with your local currency if you are in the same country. But when you travel, it's easier to use cryptocurrency to pay for goods and services. So it will be just a matter of options. You know, here it's easier for me to pay with crypto. There it's easier for me to pay with fiat currency fascinating revolution that's happening and we really appreciate you kind of bringing it home for the fashion industry final question how can people follow cop pay and stay in touch with what you're doing <laughs> well we have our web page coppay.io and uh, that page provides access to our gate as well so if there will be any merchants at the moment in the european union countries but i hope that by the end of the year probably we'll be, we will go global you know <laughs> they can always use our services and track also places that accept cryptocurrencies right now very good well thank you so much we'll definitely put the links up on electric runway so people can check it out and thanks so much for taking the time thank you when you That was my conversation with Ina Samovich, the CEO of CopPay, a solution that enables merchants and retailers to accept cryptocurrency as a form of payment. For images and links related to this episode, check out electricrunway.com. That's where you'll also find all past and future episodes of this podcast. For daily fashion tech freshness, we invite you to follow at electric underscore runway on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me directly on Twitter. I'm at Amanda Costco. That's it for today's episode. Until next time, here's looking towards the future. When you call my name, I move in circles. Don't be your eyes. Music 
from today's episode by Andrew Applepie. Your eyes cry. 